When there's body dysfunction, there's typically some sort of emotional dysfunction or emotional chaos that's going on too. And so I love energy work, especially in those situations where, because I don't use it as my primary thing, right? It really supports a lot of what I do. It helps to clear out and to enable the body to heal in a more, I like dynamic as a word. I think Mm -hmm. that's just the best word that's ever been created, but (laughs) heal in a more dynamic way. We have to clear out a lot of the Mm -hmm. energy that's sitting there preventing healing and restoration. Hello, friends, and welcome to Curiously Wise. I'm your host, Lauren Wittig, and I have a wonderful guest here today. Carice Laguerre is joining us, and she is a myofunctional therapist. And I didn't know what that means when I first started talking to her. It's a really fascinating thing, and it's such a lovely example of why I love the topic or the title of my podcast, Curiously Wise because I get to get curious about all kinds of things. And so this is an area that I'm really excited to bring to you. And I hope that you learn as much from Carice as I have and continue to learn from her. So Carice, welcome. How are you today? I am well. I'm super happy to be here. I just love your energy. So I'm excited about today. Great. Thanks. Okay. So we're going to dive in. First of all, can you tell us what myofunctional therapy is. Absolutely. You know, I get that question more than any other question. It's <laughs> not something that's super well known, but it is a phenomenal modality of alternative health. So what it is, is I like to liken it to personal training, really. It's kind of like personal training for all the muscles below your eyes, but above your shoulder. So we're working with the oral facial and some of the oral pharyngeal muscles to really help strengthen and coordinate them. That's going to help facilitate better sleep, better breathing, just better digestion. I mean, there's so many wonderful health benefits for it. Interesting. Okay. So everything below the eyes and above the shoulders. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very specific area. So I know that you work a lot with breath. Yes. Why is breath so important? Oh my gosh, breath is the (laughs) most important thing that we have out of everything. I mean, we can go for a few days without water. We go for a few weeks without food, but not many of us would last any more than a few minutes without oxygen. I mean, we need to breathe, right? And not many people know that there's a way to breathe, that it's not just because you're respirating that you are breathing properly. You have to breathe and breathe one through your nose because our nose is primed and prepped and physiologically the optimal way for us to intake oxygen. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely something that it's the powerhouse of our bodies, that breath. We need that oxygen in order to have great cognitive function, to be able to sleep well, to be able to digest and to process and to have all of our organs run and our blood flow, we need oxygen. So breath is a passion of mine because we have to breathe in order to really survive and forget thriving. You need it to just survive. Just to survive. Yeah. And I know I spent a lot of my life, the first 50 years of my life having terrible allergy issues. So I always had a stuffed up nose and I know that I don't breathe well. And I still occasionally have that, especially when I'm trying to sleep. I don't always remember to think about that. We really can't live long if we don't breathe. (laughs) Yes. I mean, minutes, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I don't know why I don't think about that. So it seems to me like breathing is something that we should just naturally know how to do. And yet I know I hold my breath a lot without realizing it. And I'll just go... All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I got to breathe. So why is it that 
we have to train it. We have to train it because sometimes that foundation from when we're young, so babies are obligate nasal breathers, or they're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. but there are sometimes physiological barriers to that. There are tongue ties. There are babies who are born with, you know, craniofacial deficits that are going to impair the nose from being able to breathe. They might have a deviated septum. You might have things that kind of compound as you get older. So it's important to really get to the root of what's the issue with why you can't physiologically breathe the appropriate way, Mm -hmm. but then to also understand that we have so much going on in that area of my specialty where we Mm -hmm. talk about below the eyes, uh, that that the whole upper respiratory system. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about that, we want to be able to utilize that the way that it's designed, right? So our nose, it's going to filter out any sort of toxins or anything that we don't want in our oxygen. It's going to prime and prep that air. It's going to humidify it, moisturize it. We want that air to be optimal to take in. And it's going to provide nitric oxide. We don't produce that in our mouth when we mouth breathe. It's not. Yeah. Nitric oxide is so critical, especially for that oxygen to bind to the blood so that we get that hemoglobin flowing well. Yeah. Okay. That's that's huge. (laughs) We need that nose to be doing all of that. And so if we're not breathing predominantly through our nose and we're breath holding and we're increasing the CO2 that's in our body through breath holding, you're really decreasing the quality of the oxygen within your body. And that's decreasing cell function. That's decreasing neurocognitive function. And that's definitely going to impair other aspects of your life as far as being able to critically think, be productive, sleep, and maintain a good quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. I know that one of the things that you talk about when you're talking about breathing is dynamic breath. So could you tell us what that is and why it's so important? Yes. So just breathing with your nose, not enough, right? (laughs) We have a tongue. And our tongue, I like to call the tongue a respiratory organ. Mm. Now, the tongue, a lot of people think of it as just one muscle. The tongue is actually comprised of eight different muscles that are in pairs. There's really 16 muscles that innervate that tongue. Oh, my gosh. Since it's got 16 muscles, it's an organ for me. (laughs) Yeah. But we need that tongue to be up against the roof of the mouth when we are breathing. That's one. The roof of the mouth is the floor of the nose. So you're stimulating Mm. that nasal respiratory breathing mechanism. Okay. You're also stimulating your vagus nerve. So that's going to help you with autonomic nervous system regulation, which is such a big deal. There are so many people who are on like this overdrive. They're constantly in that flight mode, right? Where they can't rest and digest. They're in that fight or flight. And so what we want to do is be able to breathe, but optimally with that tongue up against the roof of the mouth, stimulating that nasal floor, enabling us to really get the most out of the oxygen that we get. And that's going to create one, it'll create definitely a lot of more room because your tongue, a tongue is a very long organ. Our tongue can go all the way down to on our spine. We're talking C6, C7. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. So this is it's a long organ. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I know. When we get it up and on top of the roof of the mouth, the palate, then we're getting it up and out of the airway. And so that nasal mm-hmm. flow is able to go, that volume of air is able to go much deeper than it could before. Oh my gosh. I'm learning so much anatomy. This is awesome. 
<laughs> I love to learn anatomy because I every time I do, I learn new things about how the body works and how it's interconnected, how it's not just like for now, the tongue is not just for tasting and swallowing. It actually has to do with our breathing abilities. And that is not something that I've ever realized or known. So that's really fascinating. So that's dynamic breath. And it has to do with tongue facilitating the nose and getting out of the way of the breath as well. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I've got that one down. So there was something else that I noticed on your website called restorative breathing. And so I'm wondering what that is. So restorative breathing is one modality that I do. I use that. That is Dr. Lois Laney, who came up with restorative breathing. So I use her her methods and her tactics. What that involves is, so yes, the tongue is involved when the tongue is up on the roof of the mouth. It's involved with stimulating the vagus nerve. But the vagus nerve is just one of 12 cranial nerves that we have that are really going to help to stimulate and get our body going the way that it should. So it's really working on integrating the cranial nerves. That way we can really optimize all of that breath that we're doing in getting good whole body function. So we're working on balance. That's cranial nerve A. We're working on the ability for us to be able to turn and move our accessory cranial nerve. I mean, there's so many cranial nerves, our facial nerve and There's so many, I can talk about that really all day, honestly, but being able to restore that balance between the cranial nerves and how they are functioning, it helps significantly with the breathing and being able to restore functionality to that breathing. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. It was so complicated in this little part of our body. (laughs) The part nobody thinks about. Like when I talk about personal training, I mean, nobody even regards that there are muscles above the shoulders, right? Right. Because you think of all those bodybuilders, they have those big broad shoulders. Mm -hmm. They work out everything shoulders and below, but there's so many muscles over a hundred in the complex where I work just through the eyes where it's, nobody thinks about them. No. No, it's like we need a head gym. (laughs) (laughs) So can you give us a tip or two about how to learn to breathe better? I mean, I am so aware of my breathing at this this moment talking to you and how often I hold my breath and not really realizing it. So personally, how could I notice that better? How could I do something better? Set intentions too. So having a time where you can sit down and consciously focus on your breathing. Conscious breathing is like the first step. You have to be aware of how your body is postured when you're breathing, okay? Mm. So take time. If you have meditation time, if you have some quiet time, if you just set aside five to 10 minutes out of your day to just sit and breathe and be aware of it. Is there a sound to your breathing? Because we don't want sounds to our breathing. I mean, we can talk about sleep, you know, and the sounds that get produced once we're sleeping. But daytime, breathing should not have a sound. Breathing needs to be inaudible. If you are noticing a sound in your breathing, that's the sound of air meeting resistance as it's going through your upper respiratory tract. We don't want that. I mean, we just talked about how important breathing and oxygen is to our bodies. We do not want any resistance to that as it is going in to fuel us, right? So make sure that you're sitting and that it is an inaudible breath, that you can't hear it, because that would be the first sign of a problem. Be aware of where your tongue is postured as you're breathing. 
So take those breaths in and the breaths out and just be aware of where's our tongue sitting. If it's sitting low or kind of floating in the middle of the mouth or anywhere other than lightly suctioned and pressed against the roof of the mouth, that's going to be an issue because we just talked about that dynamic breath and really amplifying the way that we're breathing. I want you to be aware of how you are breathing. Do you have a consistent rhythm to it? Isn't it something where you feel like you are holding too often? I mean, just making time to set the intention to focus on your breath. That way, you know what's normal for you and how we can really get to what it is that you need to work on. So is it your tongue posture? Is it the fact that there's maybe some blockages that are creating that breath to have a sound to it? Is it the fact that your breath holding? Like, what is it that you need to work on? So step one set an intention. Okay. Once you figure out what it is that you need to work on, I mean, if it's your tongue, like I said, there's 16 different muscles mm-hmm. so you might need to go to the head or the face gym or whatever we're calling <laughs> it. That's where I come in as a myofunctional therapist. But if you're finding that you have audible breathing where we're really hearing sound, one, you want to get checked out by an ENT, a medical professional that can scope and see if there's any obstructions there. Is there something going on? If there's no obstructions, no physical obstructions like the adenoids or enlarged turbinates or a deviated septum, if there's nothing there that's preventing you from having a quiet breath, then you want to make sure that you are, again, getting in touch with a myofunctional therapist because we have a lot of exercises for Mm. those pharyngeal muscles, all those muscles that encompass that upper airway. Mm. And so we'll be able to help you facilitate maybe getting those a little bit more. And I hate to use the word tone because it's not like a true tone, but we get them to be a little more solid. That way you're able to respirate and not hear that sound. And if you find that your breath holding, oh, there's so many great breath work practices for that. Buteco is one that is commonly talked about in my field, but there's any number of ways that you can use breath work to really amplify your breathing. And I would say 100% consider using breath work or some breath work techniques in order to help you because breath holding is not something that we want to do. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. I'm aware that I do that, but I love that because it does fold in very nicely with a meditation practice. Maybe just to take a little time before you actually start meditating to really pay close attention to the breath and how your body feels. And actually, I think that would be a really awesome way to start a meditation, just to really focus on the physical. Where am I right now? What do I need to intention doing better? I love that. I'm going to add that to my meditation practice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's talk about you mentioned the noise when we're sleeping. I know that I have a sleep app and I know according to it that I do make noises at night. I know my husband does. So what's the connection about breathing well or not breathing well and quality of sleep? So breathing and how we breathe is going to make an impact on how we are cycling through our sleep. When you're not breathing appropriately, you're going to have a dysfunctional sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that the sleep cycles are designed to help us to restore and to regenerate. There are vital hormones and things that are produced during some of our sleep stages. And so we have to cycle through them the way that we're supposed to. Breathing is critical, especially during sleep, because of the only time, that's the only time when your brain is going to drain. 
So our body has all these different methods of draining. We have our lymphatic system. We're able to drain toxins and get rid of things, right? Our brain only does that when we're sleeping. And our blood-brain barrier is carrying oxygen to the brain and helping during that process of sleep. So when we are not respirating appropriately, our body has to change gears. It's going to shift and it's going to say, okay, something's going on here. We can't really breathe properly. We're going to have to put that on hold because we've mm-hmm. got to keep this person alive. That's our body's number one task. Mm-hmm. Stay alive, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so it's shifting away from restorative properties. It's shifting away from cell regeneration. It's shifting away from anything that needs to be healed or any healing process. It's shifting away from cleansing the brain. We want the body to focus on all of those critical tasks during sleep. And it stops doing that as soon as it feels like danger, danger, Mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about those sounds during the sleep, the sound is snoring. I mean, it's for a lot of people, it's snoring. They could call it like a light sound or they can call it whatever they want. That Mm -hmm. snoring is very common, but it is not normal. And we don't want to ever consider it normal because like I said, that is the sound of air meeting resistance. It's really trying to push through that upper respiratory tract. That means that there's something that is closing and blocking it off. And so we want to be sure that when we are going down to sleep, that our body is going to focus on the critical tasks that we need in order for it to be restorative sleep. We don't want to just sleep and then wake up and feel exhausted the next morning. We want to sleep and get full restoration. And so- Breathing is the key to that. Yeah, so that that is, I can think of so many ways that that would affect, especially cognition, if you're not giving the brain time to clean itself out. And so much of what they're learning about, at least Alzheimer's and dementia in general, seems to me that the brain has not had enough time to regenerate and recuperate and clear and all of that. So... Absolutely. Mm. Memories are only processed during sleep. I mean, there's been such a large connection with research. The more that that we learn, we know that Alzheimer's and poor sleep or sleep deprivation, they're almost always connected in every situation. So we want to ensure that we're getting quality sleep. That way we can secure our future. Right, right. Yeah. I have a long line of women in my family who had dementia, you know, in their later years. And I would like to avoid that. So <laughs> we are, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where my particular interest in, okay, how do we make the brain work better, heal more, be more elastic, all of those lovely things. This is important in so many more ways than I ever really connected. <laughs> so it's, it's like mind blowing sometimes. It's it like is a, a simple thing that I don't really take it for granted. Essentially, you're just breathing. It's just something that happens. It's so vital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those things you think your body just will do. It's like your heart beating. It's just you'll breathe. Exactly. But it's not exactly the same as the heartbeat because we do seem to mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed another thing on your website that really fascinates me because it's something I also use with my clients, and that is that you bring Reiki into your practice. So how long have you been doing that and what brought you to add it to your practice? Since 2018, I've been using it in my practice and it's really, I mean, it 
it was a no-brainer for me, honestly, because energy work is so critical, especially in restoration and healing and enabling people to really get to the root of some things where there are blockages in different chakras or where we are really experiencing some stress and some strife. Everything kind of goes together, honestly. When there's body dysfunction, there's typically some sort of emotional dysfunction or emotional chaos that's going on too. And so I love energy work, especially in those situations where, because I don't use it as my primary thing, right? It really supports a lot of what I do. It helps to clear out and to enable the body to heal in a more, I like dynamic as a word. I think Mm -hmm. that's just the best word that's ever been created, but (laughs) heal in a more dynamic way. We have to clear out a lot of the Mm -hmm. energy that's sitting there preventing healing and restoration. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what i focus on is that helping to clear those kinds of blocks. And I love Reiki because it's such a gentle energy work. It's just, it's got its own intelligence essentially to go where it's needed. I've never used it on anybody who didn't walk away going, I just feel so good. Yes. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Every time. They're like, why can't we do this all the time? I'm like, because we have all these muscles that we still have to work on. Well, and that's, I think that's another important aspect of doing any kind of energy work. There is the physical, mental, emotional work that also needs to go along with it so that you do get that holistic, systemic kind of healing instead of just depending on somebody like you or me to work on that piece of it for me. And it's the person who has to do the healing. So it's the person who has to do the work. We just guide and facilitate, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even collaborative. Yeah. I mean, all of your work, you are the guide, you are the teacher, but the person has to do the work. Absolutely. Make a change. Yeah. I like it that you bring a more physical aspect to it than I do, but it's still the person has to do the work. And that's, I'm not sure people always think about that when they come to somebody who uses energy work. You know, it's like, oh, you're going to fix me. (laughs) Exactly. That's the first thing we have to talk about because there's so many aspects of what I do where, yes, you have to put the work in, Mm -hmm. but I can help you. Mm -hmm. This one is one where I am really just an intermediary between the energy and you. You are doing all of the real work here and you're healing. Right, right. I think that ownership of taking responsibility for your own healing is something that our culture has kind of turned over to the medical professions. It's like, I'm not responsible. I'm going to go to the doctor. The doctor's going to give me something to take or surgery or whatever. They're going to do it for me. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. That's a rabbit hole. Oh, I know. I know. And it doesn't serve us well because it at all take responsibility for ourselves. Exactly. Or for how you got there or for what you can really do for resolution as opposed to just palliative treatment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, I think that's something that I have to continually talk to my clients about that, you know, I'm a facilitator, I can help, but you have to be responsible for acting on it or for making change. I think for me, I love to work with in metaphors and examples a lot. Just that's personally, that's how I learn. And so I always like to draw these comparisons or these connections between different modalities of helping people feel better and function better because it it helps me to kind of remember how they all connect. You do have a book. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and mention that now (laughs) so I don't forget it. The book is called Accomplished, How to Sleep Better, Eliminate Burnout, and Execute Goals. 
which I love. Those are all things I want to do. <laughs> right? Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come to write the book? And tell us just a little bit about that, if you would, about the book. Absolutely. So it was a labor of love because I'm so passionate about what I do. I'm so passionate about just spreading awareness that sleep and productivity don't have to be limited to just having a, a certain type of mattress or a certain type of pillow or sleeping on a certain side or not mm -hmm. on your back or what. It's really down to something that's so over everybody's head. It's just breathing. Just Breathe appropriately. If you could just get down to the root of that, I don't care what mattress you have, you could mm. sleep on concrete and get restorative sleep. Mm. So it's really about spreading the message that, yes, upper respiratory care and health is incredibly important. This is how you're going to power your body. These are the steps you can take in order to ensure that you get it and how you can amplify it. Then the next day, take that restorative sleep and get to your best, most productive day, accomplish goals, mm -hmm. get to become your very best self. And so I am super happy to have shared it with the world. And it really just helps to spread the message because I am just one person, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can mm -hmm. only speak yeah. to so many. Yeah. yeah, but this is a great way to just spread the message. And so I'm so happy about Accomplished and how it turned out and how it's helping the people that it's helping. Yeah. It's one of the wonderful things about books. It's the, as close as we get to telepathy. You yeah. know, it comes out of your brain onto the page and goes into somebody else's brain. And you I don't have that. to be there. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So, I'm a writer. I've written novels. I haven't written nonfiction yet. But that was one of the things that I, as a child, I experienced because I was a voracious reader. Is books brought somebody else's ideas into my brain yeah. And then I got to create them in my brain, in my own way. And it's like telepathy, it's like their brain to my brain. It's awesome. I love it when people like you who have these amazing skills and things to offer people write books because it does spread you much further than you can do on your own. And for the listeners, we will have the link to her book in the show notes and we'll get you her website information towards the end of our conversation here so that you can go and find it there if you need to. Okay, let's go to our rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. So these are just for fun. This is something I do with every guest. And whatever comes to your mind right off the bat is that's all you need to do. You don't have to search for the right answer. Okay. All righty. <laughs> all right. So who is or was the wisest person in your life? Wisest person in my life is always my father. Always my father. He is just, he, he knew things before I knew things. He was always ready with some words of wisdom. Mm. It's like he knew I was about to do something that maybe I shouldn't have done or that was going to get me in trouble. He was just ready. Like <laughs> he always knew. And so he was inspirational and it's still inspirational. He's still alive. So I don't want to talk about him like yeah. he's not, but Good. yeah, <laughs> he's a big inspiration in my life. All right. Is there any like one thing that he brought into your life wisdom wise that still is a touchstone for you? Everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Everything happens for a reason. I got that very, very young and it has been incredibly influential throughout my life. That's such a good one, too. I, that's something I've had to kind of learn as I've gotten older. Nobody offered that one to me. But it does. It changes your perspective. If it's yes. like, you know, instead of like, why is this happening to me? It's like, if there's a reason, what is it? And it's a very empowering piece of wisdom. So thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. 
and thank him for sharing it with you. What's your favorite self-care practice? I really like nasal hygiene. Nasal hygiene is a big one for me. I feel clean. I feel open. I just feel really good once I get in my nose and really just get all the gunk out. I just, I love it. That for me is ideal self-care because I know that the rest will take care of itself once I take care of my nasal passages. Okay. So we're going to take a little detour here for a minute before we go on. Tell us what nasal hygiene is. Oh, yeah. Nasal hygiene is essentially having a routine around cleaning your nose. So a lot of people really don't like the idea of a neti pot where you're Mm. taking and you're running through one nostril and it comes out the other one. But that is super great. If you want to go more basic, you can get into a saline, a saline rinse and just rinse out your nasal passages one by one instead of like the neti pot where you're going through both. Rinsing out the nasal passages is keeping them nice and clean and clear. That way you can intake as much as possible. That helps with the sinuses and the sinus infections. It helps a lot significantly with opening up that upper respiratory tract and just leaving more availability for the air to travel through. So I love my nasal hygiene routine. I think that that's the best thing I do for myself. Okay. And I just want to say that I have a neti pot and I love it. I don't have much allergy issues anymore, but when I did, it was a savior because it would stop allergies in their tracks because you clean it out of your nose. It's not there to stay and be irritating. So yes. yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of the neti pot. <laughs> oh, you're one of the few. So many people complain if I recommend it. <laughs> All right. No. It's weird <laughs> when you first start using it, but I, it's... I, yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> and the other thing I use it for is I get in the springtime, I'll get bloody noses. And if oh, I use the so neti pot, it stops that. So because yeah. I guess it's moisturizing as it yeah, goes through. Yes. Yeah. So, OK, I just had to do a little a little <laughs> rah, rah for the neti pot. OK, back to the rapid fire. What lights you up when you're feeling down? My kids, like just I love laughter and joy and they're always like in a good mood for some reason. Well, for the most part, I have some teenagers that aren't always in a good mood, (laughs) but (laughs) when they are in a good mood and they're laughing and they're joking or like watching something and they're laughing and they're smiling. I mean, that just lights me up. Yeah. Isn't that the best when your kids are having fun? Yep. All right. And do you have a favorite mantra or affirmation? Oh, yes. I love this one. I have it up on my wall. I should be speaking, not searching. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I should be seeking, not searching. Yeah. To write that one down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I should be seeking what's for me. I shouldn't be searching. I don't need to search for it. I should mm-hmm. speak it out. Yeah. So that opens it up instead of working for it. You're just opening yeah. it up to arrive. Yeah. 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 Okay. You don't want to look for it. It's not, it's not something you're, it, it'll come to you. Yeah. You just allow it to come. Yeah. I like to work with what I call divine right timing. Oh. So we're on Eastern daylight time here, but so I have DRT, divine right timing. And when you allow things come to you in that divine right timing, when you're ready, when whatever it's going to impact is ready. And sometimes when you try to force it, it doesn't, it's not effective because it's not the right time. Lovely. Thank you. I have a new affirmation. I'm going to put it on my wall. (laughs) I love it. All right. So can you tell our listeners where to find you online? 
Oh, my website, 100%. It's themyospot.com. So T-H-E-M-Y-O-S-P-O-T.com. And I'm available there for free consultations. We can talk about your nose. We can talk about an eddy pot. We can talk about your breathing, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And I have a feeling you have so much more to share than what we've been able to include in this short talk. But yeah, I'm just, I am totally fascinated with what you have brought into my awareness the nerves, the muscles, the tongue, the, I just, you're blowing my mind, (laughs) which is awesome. I love nothing more than learning something new. That's so, it's really, really happy you're here. All right. Well, I do want to thank Carice for being here with us today. I hope you had fun. I certainly did. I had a great time. I love it. Good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so grateful that you were able to come and be with us. And I want to invite my listeners to join us again next Tuesday. We have a new episode that comes out every week here on Curiously Wise. And I hope that you have a wonderful day. And maybe you try out a neti pie. Yes. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Curiously Wise. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future fabulous conversations. And if you had any ahas, please share them in a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to pay forward the unique wisdom we all have. If you want to know more about me or my intuitive energy healing practice, Heartlight Wellness, please head over to my website, www.heartlightjoy.com. Curiously Wise is a team effort I am grateful for the skill and enthusiasm Arlene Membrot, our producer, and Sam Wittig, our audio engineer, bring to this collaboration. Our music is Where the Light Is by Lemon Music Studio. I'm Lauren Wittig. Please join me again next week for another episode of Curiously Wise. From my heart to yours, may your life be filled with love, light, joy, and of course, curiosity.